Well, it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, baby Even you don't know by now And it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, baby Everybody, welcome It'll to Dom's Den. I have a special somehow. guest here, uh, a new friend of mine. I feel like I know him for uh, for a really long time. Uh, he's uh, he's done tremendous things for uh, numerous people with ALS. Um, recently lost his son, Pat Quinn. He's helped me with my mom, who was diagnosed uh, two years ago. Um, I just want to throw some stats out. Yeah. Is that cool? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, one in 20,000 people are diagnosed with ALS. Around 5,000 people in the U.S. are diagnosed each year. The average lifespan is two to five years. Pat lived seven. Seven and a half, yeah. Seven and a half years. Fighter. Um, this is tough. This is, a, this is uh, it's always been tough to, for me to talk about this stuff because um, I'm fucking living it. Um, but uh, for instance, I called Pat today and said, hey, Pat, you know, we're going to do it at 430, you know, uh, come down. And you know what he told me? He goes, all right, I'll be there. But I'm driving an ALS patient to get his second dose of a shot. That's the type of man I have in my uh, in my den today who continues to do it. Uh, Pat, introduce yourself. My name is Pat Quinn. I'm Patrick Quinn's dad. Um, Pat passed away in November of this uh, past year, and his mission was to raise awareness and then advocate for um, ALS to make sure that in the near future we have some kind of treatment or cure. So when people get the diagnosis, you have ALS, it's not that you're going to die from it. We want you to be able to live with that disease until they find a cure for it someday, and hopefully that'll soon. I mean, Pat. Pat's name helped raise almost uh, or above two hundred twenty million. Over two twenty, right? man. Amazing. <clears throat> Just on his name, uh, one hundred eighty-five million dollars. United States, two hundred twenty million dollars globally. Uh, that viral ice bucket challenge in two thousand fourteen was it changed the trajectory of ALS. Yeah, changed totally everything. Amazing. When you heard he had, when he, when you heard he got ALS. Now, we're talking about a young man who is an athlete. Yep. A very good athlete. Yeah. Basketball, rugby in college. How'd you handle that? When you first I know, get, and I know you're a tough guy. Uh, it's, it's um, first of all, it was disbelief because I don't know about any of you guys or anybody that's seeing the podcast, but... Prior to my son getting an ALS diagnosis, and possibly you and your mom got hers, you really didn't know what ALS was, you know? So the first thing I did, I was on the internet, started looking it up, and all of a sudden, all these facts were coming out that there's been no survivors for ALS. Two to five years, you're gone. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a 30-year-old young man that's going to be taken away in the prime of his life. And it was like somebody just pulled my guts out, believe me. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that as a dad, there was nothing I could do to protect my son or to help him at that particular time. So he and I talked about it, and in the beginning, it was, I guess, a little sense of denial to a degree, but then he turned around and he said, you know what, nobody knows what ALS is. So he took it upon himself to put himself out there. He said, I have to let people see 
what ALS does to a person. He said, here's a young guy, 30 years old, like you say, great athlete. And over the course of the years, if you looked at his journey, you saw what ALS did and how it broke him down to the point where he was completely immobile and wasn't able to talk, couldn't move any muscle in his body. The only thing he could do to communicate was through an eye gaze of technology, which he was able to text with his eyes to a machine that in turn turned it out to speech. Otherwise, we'd never, we'd never be able to talk to him. We'd ne never know what he was thinking about. You know, I watched uh, numerous uh, interviews that Pat did, you know, and one that really sticks in my mind is uh, he was talking about when he was, here's, here's, here's the other thing too. Uh, ALS is kind of diagnosed by process of elimination. So you go on a doctor's for months. 18 for months. Average. 18 months. That's My mom too. And figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So it's not this. It's not that. It's not this. We're treating this. This is not working. Blah, 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 blah. And next thing you know, it's a year later and you get diagnosed. Can I, what are the first signs? Like what made him? It depends. It, the, oh. the, the problem with ALS and, and, and the baffling way this disease progresses is there's no two ALS patients that are the same. You know, the progressions are different, the initial diagnosis is different on why, you know, what happened to bring you to this ALS clinic to think you might have a neurological disease. And Pat started in, in his uh, left arm, you know, he was playing a doubleheader softball, and he talked to me on like Wednesday after the, the doubleheader, and he said, damn, my, my arm just feels dead, it just it doesn't feel like, you know, I have nothing there. So Pat's mom's a nurse, so he still complained about it for like two or three weeks. I said, talk to your mom and just have it checked out. It could be a little nerve impingement or something. So they checked him out. They ran some tests and they suggested him to see a, neuro a neurologist. So he went down to Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in Manhattan. They did some workup. They did some tests. They suggested to go to a hospital special surgery because they have a, one of the best neurological teams in uh in the United States, actually, dealing with ALS. At HSS? Yeah. Okay. So they, he got on Dr. Lang's team down there, and over the next year, year and a half, any test imaginable, blood tests, uh, muscle biopsies, brain scans, everything. Because the one thing the doctors don't want to do is give you an ALS diagnosis, because in essence, they're telling you, you're not going to be here in another couple of years. So they want, they, they'd rather tell you you have cancer, they'd rather anything except the ALS. So after about a year and a half, he went down to the Mayo Clinic, uh, down in Maryland, I believe, and they ran a battery of tests again, and they came out on March 8, 2013. Okay. We can conclusively diagnose you with ALS. This is, this is, that's exactly what I was gonna bring up. So I'm watching the interview, and Pat is uh, interviewing, he's kind of just breaking it down, uh, each one of these steps that, that uh, Pat had just uh, mentioned, and he goes, uh, he remembers when the doctor said, you have ALS, where they kind of confirmed it, and they told him, and he, and he, and, and he expressed how he felt, everything that went through his mind. And I remember that. I was with my mom when she got diagnosed, when she was told I mean, I went to all the other doctors too, but I was there that I was in the room when they said, you have ALS. And I remember my mom just breaking down, you know, because my mom is familiar with it. And Pat, you know this. 
My grandfather had it. Different type. Nothing like Pat's absolutely right. My mom's ALS was totally different from my grandfather's. Completely different. Now, has it been proven to be genetic or? There are links. There are links in there's 95% of anyone diagnosed with uh, ALS, it's, it's sporadic ALS. Mm-hmm. 5% is a genetic yeah. form of ALS. That's it. But okay. there's an old saying out there, and it, and it holds so true, that every 90 minutes someone gets diagnosed with ALS in the United States, and every 90 minutes someone passes away from yeah. ALS. Crazy. And that's the reason why the numbers never grow. So yeah. I hate to use the word sexy, but it's not a sexy disease. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's not something that you see a lot of the movie stars and everybody rally around, except for that one time in 2014 when the Ice Bucket Challenge went viral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's the same 27 to 30,000 people in the United States, and it's a revolving door. You know, one leaves, passes away, another one is diagnosed it's, with it. It's almost frustrating. I get upset. You know, you tell somebody, you, get, you know, your mom has, and they don't know. Right. Yeah. And they don't know. One, one of Pat's biggest things, and him and I talked it's about upsetting. it a lot. It really is. Is the 30,000 ALS community, for lack of anything else, is, is constant. But it's the same 30,000, maybe different faces, but the same 30,000 number that are fighting they're fighting the FDA, they're fighting the government, they're fighting for more funding. So it, it's imperative that the general public gets educated on the devastation of ALS. You know what I mean? And only then can they sympathize and possibly empathize with our plight here that there's really nothing to help us as we go along. And raise more you know awareness. So it, yeah. You know, like, like Dom creates awareness, I create awareness, some other ALS patients do. I said, but then how many of those 30,000 or they don't want to be out there. They they just want to no, sit back and let me go. Yeah. There's more of them than you than you realize. Pat, it's 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 it, and it's crazy because you could put a video of a dog eating ice cream, <laughs> okay, and it'll get twenty thousand views. If The Rock does it, it'll get a million views. Million, yeah. Okay. If I tweet something about ALS or I retweet something about ALS, it doesn't seem to get the same amount of traffic. Yeah. Well, and perfect case in point, it, it, which is totally what you just said. Justifi- justifies what you just said. Right. Which, which, how do we solve that? Well, pe- first of all, I, I think a lot of people, like even Pat's commencement speech or some of the speeches that he had made or some of the little promos I made for the um, yeah. Ice Bucket Challenge. It's, I don't know if people are scared to open their eyes to see what it is because then it's a really emotional effect on them. It, all of a sudden now you've touched them somehow. Where a video like you say, a dog eating ice cream, made hey, that's pretty funny, ha ha ha, and we keep moving because it doesn't make an impact on them. Mm-hmm. But the possibility and what people don't realize, the numbers are going up. So you say one in 400, <laughs> By, I believe 20, 2040, they said it's going to be insane. It, it, it's, it's, it's going to be up. one in 150. There's like 250,000 people in the world right now with it. They're saying in 2040, it'll be closer to 600,000. Jesus. Or maybe a million. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's going to continue to go up. But 
I will say this. What's this it, thing you mentioned about the, the Canadian Yeah, it's uh, amazing government. because a lot of the money that, you know, Pat raised and everything is going to these research and development teams. And just recently, there's a, a team in Canada and they've actually been able to identify the domino effect, the blocks that actually cause the ALS to continue to grow throughout your body. So that's a huge breakthrough for them, being able to identify how this thing moves throughout so rapidly through a person's body and destroys it. So with that being found now, the next step is trying to find something that can either slow down or even eventually stop the growth. It's like a misfolded protein. Exactly. It's a misfolded protein. That's exactly it. Well, because they they have to combat it from a different angle because unless you could grow new nerves... It's virtually impossible to combat. They're just trying to stifle it. That's, so that's I, their whole thing. One, one of the biggest drawbacks that they have also is in, in a lot of diseases, if you have a blood disease or a brain disease or, or heart or something cardiac, they can almost image you in real time. So they can almost pinpoint where the problem mm-hmm. is, if there's a growth or what have you. With ALS, everything gets transmitted through the brain and it gets sent down through the spine, through the myelin sheath, etc. But they cannot image through the spine in real time because of the thickness of the spine. They don't have anything to penetrate it without hurting something that they can mm-hmm. follow the path and see where something is misguided. So the only way they can really get some more knowledge on that is if bodies are donated to science and then they open up the spine mm-hmm. and then they can look and see. You know, yeah. but as far as real time in- imaging, which would help unbelievably if it was able to of course. be brought about. Right now, it's non-existent. They're trying to tackle these in the same way that they're trying to tackle uh, Alzheimer's and MS. It's like all these neurological things. They're all using, they think there might be a common thread. There should be. They've been able to do things with Alzheimer's, which are crazy right now with what they're doing with cannabinoids and injecting stuff into your brain that can slow down that process. So, I mean, it's just, we're so much, not that we're close, but because of everything that you and your family have gone through, there's major breakthroughs where there was nothing like you know we talk about how this is a 70 80 year old you know disease i mean and well since again since 2014 the only monies that were being uh laid out to the research facilities are the monies from the government you know Mm -hmm. the nih would give the monies and and that was it but through this now you find a lot of these different um hospitals and research facilities they're getting donations from private sector which enhances the money that the government gives them because it takes about, I forget the millions of dollars from, for one trial, for one drug to go through the trial process in a lab. I think it's like 10 or 15, maybe $20 million. It's crazy. So now if they get funds from that, say we get together and we raise $10 million because a research facility came to us and said, hey, listen, I think we got, we're onto something here. We need $10 million. How about six months from now, they come back to you and they say, you know what? We thought we were on the right track, but we didn't meet our mid-stage goals. We need another 10 million bucks mm-hmm. to continue. Yeah. How quick are you to write that check? <sighs> and that's what happens in 90% of every drug that goes into trial in the labs. And 90% just, don't meet even their mid-stage goals. They just lose the funding and they stop. Well, I mean, once you don't donate 10 or 20 million bucks, how quick are you now to write another check? Yeah. It's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. And with no promise. Mm-hmm. With, with no promise. Right. No and it's all uncharted territory. There's some drugs that are coming out, right? He, he mentioned all the time. I think Biogen. Biogen has a has a drug out there. It's called Neuron. Yes. And um, it's shown great results in some of the trials that they've had and some of the patients that it's worked on. 
but the FDA is dragging its feet and they're not, the thing is we're not getting enough promising drugs fast tracked through their red tape yeah. and that's, and that's but there crazy. Should, for I like mean, emergency we, use and somebody is, they, for whatever reason, they don't bring compassionate use into it. I, they don't bring, I, I mean, there's, there's a, well, that's um, why people are not getting the, uh, the vaccine, the COVID right. But look at the monies, look at the monies that were invested in the COVID vaccine worldwide within a year and six <clears> months. <throat> billions and billions of dollars. And ALS is not an incurable disease, it's an underfunded disease. So if you could bring that kind of funding into ALS, mm -hmm. it'd be cured within two years. So look you know at what it comes down to? Money. Oh, 100%. Of course, of course. Because they want everybody to work. And they want to open everything up, so they put all their resources correct. into getting a vaccine, so everybody can open up. It was on the but, but if there's the only today. thirty thousand people afflicted with ALS, it's just not. And yeah, it's going to sound. So I'm not going to say. I'm not it's not worth it to them. the name because I didn't get it. But I spoke down in Washington D.C. because every year there's an advocacy weekend down there, mm -hmm. and I was in front of the House of Representatives, and I was making a, a statement about. The, you know, the funding that's needed and moving forward, we need more money in the budget and all of this. And I should have gotten his name. He was a Southern Senator, I believe. He said, what's the big deal? There's only 30,000 of you. Oh, my God. I'm and I went nuts. As a matter of fact, I was asked that I have to leave because I was... <laughs> I mean, and I even I screamed. I'm probably obscenities. you know, you know, they asked. They weren't getting them out. Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably obscenities. And like, what if it was your kid or your mom? I said, would that would that be a difference? You better believe it would. It's only you know? thirty thousand. Only thirty thousand. Correct. We're not people of them. We're just numbers. No, that, that's it. It's People's only. perspectives change when it hits home. Well, that, that's one of our old sayings. You, ALS does not have a face. Until no. it comes into your house, yeah. Then all of a sudden you realize what this demon is and what it can do. And Don's a perfect example. He's living ALS. His family, his mom has ALS. He knows the devastation of this disease. Horrible. Now you take his instance, and not to compare with anybody because it's devastating. But his mom's a little older. Now work that into a thirty-five, a forty-year-old, a fifty-year-old. And, and how that dynamic can actually it could she does you don't know how many people this disease is bankrupt i know five personally yeah. that this disease has bankrupt it will drain you it's unreal trust me it's unreal there's no there's not much uh government assistance and, and you want to go the insurance covers the basics like well, they don't it, it makes you laugh and again i'll, I'll I'll go back to Don on a couple things here. His mom needed a hospital bed. Did you see the bed that they sent her, the ALS Association sent her? At best, it's a glorified army cot, right or wrong. Yes. At best, my son's hospital bed is a Hill Rom hospital bed that its value is about $87,000. Unbelievable. Okay, and this is a bed that... Like his mom, he always has to be on the lookout for sores. You know, it gets uh, better. Remember this, Pat? Uh, so they sent my mom a bet. <laughs> I remember this. Okay. And uh, with a crankshaft, where you had to manually crank like, it. Like it was 1905? It's, it's, it's not even It's impossible for her to crank it. It's so stupid. Yeah. And so then, I, you know, I was able to get um, a motorized one, but it's not a comfortable bed. 
you know, I had to get the foam, put the foam underneath, I had to do all that. Um, it's it's all these little things that they don't pay for, that they give you a hard time. I, I don't even want to go into um, <clears throat> getting the assistance, getting the qualifications for hours. I remember they gave my mom seven, no, they started her out with, she was diagnosed with ALS. They started her out with six hours of care. So the rest of the hours, we had to take that up, you know, until one appeal, one appeal, after one appeal, after another appeal, 10 appeals. The thing is, our government... He was my therapist. <laughs> I wouldn't call him. He got to just keep going Yo, after them. It's the nice thing to is, have That's somebody. what they want you to do. They want you to go up against a roadblock, right? And your perception is going to be, well, every time I ask them, they're saying no. So now you sit back and you just let things follow whatever course it's going to be. And like I told Don, you don't stop. I said, because you have to be your own, every ALS patient right. and their family members have to be their own advocate. And you have to reach out and you have to ask for help. Otherwise, you're just going to sit in the house and you're just going to wither away and nobody's going to know. Believe me, it, it, it's, uh, the perfect example is, and again, I hate to it's keep fine. putting it on you a little bit, but the little things that add up on a weekly basis, what people don't realize is as ALS patients, progress more, they become incontinent, um, they can't eat, they have to go on feeding tube, um, there's different formulas that you, you have to get, the ones that they approve are generally ones that um, start GI um, infections and stuff like that, so you have to go out now and you have to do your homework and you have to buy your own stuff, but they say they help you, the government helps you, but when you're incontinent, they don't pay for depends. They don't pay for bed liners, so when you soil the bed that you don't ruin the whole bed. They don't pay for any um, adaptive equipment when you have to go to the bathroom, if you can still go to the bathroom. I mean, one of the biggest fights I had, my son was on a feeding tube, right? And they sent his formula after I fought to get off the one that was running through him mm -hmm. to get on this formula called Liquid Hope, which was awesome. So they sent me the, the formula, and then I'm looking to, to see what it is. There was no adapter to put on his feeding tube that I could syringe the food into. So I called up and I said, how am I supposed to do this? There's no adapters. Oh, no, the insurance doesn't cover that. You have to pay for those yourself. Mm -hmm. So I said, let me wrap my head around this. I said, you sent me, you sent me a month's supply of food, right, a formula. You only gave me 30 syringes, which the rubber piece in them, after one use, they doesn't, constantly does, break doesn't really go. So, but you only get 30. So, you know, they want you to use one syringe at, per day, but you get four meals per day. So you rinse this out with warm water, it, it never works right. So now I had to buy extra syringes on my own, and I had to pay for the adapter to be able to feed my son, because he wasn't able to chew or swallow. How does that work? Now, now <laughs> in the midst of all this, there are a few ways you could go. Now, let's say you're a really wealthy person. Okay? You get the $87,000 bed. Right? You hire nurses. Now, a nurse 
could do the feeding tube because most likely an ALS patient is going to go on a feeding tube. So, yeah, on that note, sooner or later, it happens. Every diet, every ALS patient, unless they pass away from respiratory failure prior, will always go on the feeding right. tube. Right. Yeah. So tube. now you have you have someone who has money who who could buy that eighty-seven thousand dollar bet. Could hire nurses. Now a nurse could give the food. Could operate a feeding peg. Can administer medicine, which, by the way, needs to be crushed. And there are time lapses within the medication. Okay? So basically, you're watching from afar all this. If you have enough money and you're comfortable enough doing that. So now, then there's the other option, which is a CD... Uh, CDPAP program, CD New York State, program. Which is pretty awesome. but now you have to go get aides who can do all that, but they will only pay a fraction of what a professional person who is in that field. So now you have to compensate for the other half of that, wow. which could be. You're talking about a payroll. You're talking about paying somebody like $72,000 a year at the end of the year on top of what they're giving you. So now you can't do that. You don't have a family member. You don't have that that uh, extra money to give to uh, an aide to compensate for the other money that you're getting or that you don't have. So now you have to deal with the aids that they give you from the insurance company. Insurance company gets uh, an agency. The agency sends people who cannot give medicine. Not qualified. They're not qualified. They're not allowed to. They're not allowed to. They're not allowed to use a feeding tube and administer food through a peg. But yet they could cook somebody a steak. Why? Because it's a medical equipment? It's because it's... it's, it's uh, so, there are constant obstacles that nobody's aware of. So, whether you have money or whether you have a little bit of money, you have no money, there are obstacles. I've had battles with the insurance company. Wow. Seven months, eight months, just to get my mother 24-hour care. So... And you think of all the other people that are going through this. Well, Pat, you said, what's the average cost after insurance? Or the, the, average, the average cost of caring for an ALS patient annually can run $250,000. Wow. It's expensive. Which is now, probably the average cost of a house well, in the U.S. It will bankrupt you. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, my God. If, it will bankrupt well, you. Right, most times people can get Medicare. Right, but... The, the best thing to have is Medicaid. Now, to qualify for Medicaid, you can only have $14,800 in personal assets. Oh otherwise, otherwise, you're denied. So, the first thing you have to do is either sell your house and spend that money first. And Put that I, I yourself of, in a trust. I have a friend of mine that had a college fund set up for his kids, right? In his name. So unfortunately, he got diagnosed. And before he could move that money out to protect his 
kids college fund they found out about it it was documented he had to spend his kids money for college that he worked his whole life for before he could be able to apply for Medicaid and get Medicaid benefits. Wow. Now, here's a guy that, that's doing the right thing his whole life. Buying a house, he had to sell the house and, and spend that money. Putting money aside for his kids' education, as a good parent would try to do for any of their kids. Now he's afflicted with a disease through no fault of his own that's a fatal disease, and he has to spend everything that he worked for before the government will step in and help him. And that, to me, is despicable. That is so despicable. It is. It is. I it's mean, that's crazy. what insurance is for, for for catastrophic cases like that. You know, well, you, you'd like to think, but that. they don't and want no. you to have. They want to have everything, and they don't want you to have anything. To, to for them, that's what justifies them giving you. They want to see you empty out your coffers before they give you right. But, and, and another thing too is, and the ALS community fought for years to get this. There used to be a waiting period before when you applied for Medicare Medicaid until it was actually granted to you. And sometimes it was a five to six month waiting period. So they finally eliminated that. You can, if you, ALS is one of, I think, the nine uh, fast track diseases in the Terminal. United States Terminal. that, yeah, that are all over fatal. So you're, you're allowed to, you know, circumvent the you know, waiting period to get those benefits, which. <laughs> If if it were me, anybody that comes in to my office, if I was in that position, said I'm I've been diagnosed with ALS, my next statement is, what can we do for you? What do you need? Yeah. And especially, and and I'm not disparaging vets. I love the armed forces. Believe me when I tell you. I said, but there seems to be a little disparity in benefits when it comes to the vets and your average guy. You know, mm -hmm. your regular citizen, and. Granted, they deserve it, believe me, because when they signed when they signed up, they signed on a dotted line up to and including and giving my life for the yeah. United States I will. So that alone, they deserve whatever they can get. But yeah. vets have carte blanche. Anything they want, they can change formulas. They can get whatever adaptive equipment they need. They can get power wheelchairs, new beds. They even have a program where they can get uh, wheelchair accessible vans, uh, housing windows, all that kind of stuff. When it's you have like to do, pulling teeth. When you have to get a better, if he had to get a bathroom rental, he'd, he'd be lucky if the one of the associations would give him $5,000. He'd have to come up with the other twenty grand himself to have a rolling shower put mm -hmm. in or, you know, whatever, wide doors widening so you can get a, a wheelchair into a bathroom. And, and well, it's such little things that people don't realize that the, that the, the adaptive things that an ALS patient needs is not covered by insurance. Like my son, and I know you, we I touched this with your mom, when my son started losing his strength in his hands, we tried to get some, you know, like adaptive tools and, and things we could put on knives and forks so he, he could still feed himself because he had some motion. But again, these companies rip off handicapped people. You go out and you, and you get like an adaptive cover for a fork that's probably cost a dollar. They're begging for twenty nine ninety nine. I I think the whole medical so field. Crazy. <laughs> when you, I, 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 think, I think the whole medical field has gone to shit. I blame the insurance. I try sometimes. I'll yeah. tell you this. Okay. Sometimes you, you, you think that's the way it goes. I'm not going to mention these people then, but there are three doctors who do house visits. Okay. Now, for me to bring my mom to just be to have a a, a visit, 
I would have to get a, a, a car that has a van, which I would have to call three days in advance. It's a lot of work. The machines, we're talking three, four machines. When you go out there? It's a lot. And so now there are three physicians who do house calls in Westchester County. Called all three. Now one of them would come to the house. Why? Busy, too many people. I have a lot of patients. COVID, they COVID. don't want to take chances. That's, that's a go-to excuse. No, no, but it's not no. even the COVID because they are doing it. They're just saying that they they have too many cases. Um, I highly doubt that every case that they have, they're treating people with terminal diseases. I highly doubt that. You know, I think people's ethics have gone to shit. I wouldn't be a doctor. Personally, I wouldn't be a doctor and turn anybody down. You you're lucky some of these doctors, they call you back to see how you're doing. Yeah, good luck yeah. with that. Well, you can. Everything's driven by big pharma. I mean, even look at the look so, at the look at the opioid crisis in America. These doctors they get kickbacks from the pharmaceutical companies when they prescribe people opioids. Of course they do. It's like, fucking you, insane. But that's business. any drug. If you go if yeah, you drug. go to any doctor's office and they're going to prescribe some, you know what? Here, here's a sample. Yeah. So the salesman's in. He's getting the samples. Doctor's getting the kickback for every prescription he writes for that drug. I mean, it, it's it's when you're sitting in the room waiting for the doctor to come in and there's ads of drugs. Yeah, yeah. Pamphlets. Like, what are you trying to sell me? These exactly. drugs, like exactly, yeah. um, exactly. What what um, you would you were telling us before um, off camera? There there were things that uh, Pat had in place before he passed away that he wanted you just to 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 keep these things alive and, and you know, because Lou Gehrig's name is not doing it anymore. Have some people don't yeah, know who Lou Gehrig is. is. Right. Okay? So let's be honest. Um for me when I think of ALS I think of Pat Quinn. I do. And um yeah. I, I'm not not to discredit Lou Gehrig, not to discredit any of that, but you know, that was eighty something years ago and what 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 has happened with nowhere. Well, somebody asked me that the other day. They said, you know, what, what, what's transpired over the last 80-something years since Lou Gehrig um, said his farewell speech at Yankee Stadium? And I said, you know what happened? I said, if Lou Gehrig were to walk into a doctor's office, a neurological doctor's office today, and get diagnosed with ALS like he did 80-something years ago, the diagnosis and the prognosis would be the same. You have ALS... Your life expectancy is two to five years, and there's nothing we can do. After 80 years. Correct. It'd be the, if he walked in, it'd be the exact same thing. And on what you were saying, after a while, Pat was determined to make ALS his mission to raise awareness, to raise funding, advocacy, whatever the case may be. So on that note, he was very specific on, on what his, like a lot of fundraisers we had, and I can say it here, I said, at the end of the day, we'd sit down and we'd go over, you know, what it cost us to run the event and what we got in return for the event. And he'd say, Dad, how, was it a successful event? Was it not a successful event? I said, yeah, you know, Pat, we, you know, we did okay. We're going to be able to put some money in the fund. So he said, cool. So about maybe 10, 15 minutes later, I'd be sitting in his house or something, all of a sudden over his eye gazer, 
he'd say, I'm sending you an email. So I'd look at my email, and all of a sudden I had four ALS patients in our areas, names there, with amounts next to them. And put these in white envelopes, don't tell them where it came from, go give them the money. And I'd say, Pat, I just busted my ass <laughs> running an event for you, and you're giving away half the money. I said, yeah, where are you going here? And his answer was, Dad, they need it now. Yeah. They need it today. He said, when I need it, we'll figure it out. Yeah. And on that I, note, he's... Um, <laughs> really. No, no, I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you a story. He a was, Pat story. <laughs> um, so we were, uh, I was texting back and forth with, uh, with Pat one night, and... Uh, and it, you know, obviously, it takes time because he was using mm-hmm. the uh, the optical device, and, and I was telling him, I forgot what I needed. I need I, I needed something. I don't know if it was the food at that particular time. I think we're going over the formula. Wasn't something for your mom, yeah. Something, and he goes, he goes, okay. My fa- my father will call you tomorrow. Next day, you know, hey, how can I help you? What can I do for you guys? What do you mean? I'm like, okay, and then, but that's, you know, I tell everybody, I said, this guy is incredible. And you're you're in front of me, so I I want everybody to know, you're you're an incredible human being, man. Thanks. It's a fact. Appreciate it. You really are. What you did for your son while he was here, what you do for... Uh, people every year who have ALS, what you do for their families. The, the thing is, it's incredible. Like we, we experienced it firsthand. I know. And when Pat was first diagnosed, there wasn't really much help out there, especially the first year until the, to the ice bucket challenge took place. And then after that, so there was like a little year and a half, two year gap, but we were floundering, figuring it out on our own. So you have to figure out what direction you're going to take. So we knew how hard it was for us to get things and to get things in place. So we're just, me especially, we're just, through Pat's direction, because he was a tough boss, believe me when I tell you. But through him, we learned how to navigate this disease. So now we feel like it's our duty almost to pass on what we've learned to try to help everybody that we can moving forward. And that was, that was his big thing too. You know, like you got to pay it forward a little bit you got to try to help them just if, and, and never, this is what works. Just give them little ideas, you know, give them some suggestions. This worked for us. It might not work for you, but, you know, give it a shot. So, and that's why yeah. after well, his passing. Let's let our, our listeners know what, what are some of these events. Well, we, we do, four, we, we fine-tuned it to, we used to do six events a year. And okay. when Pat knew things weren't going well, he and I sat down. And we're going to keep his favorite event was three on three basketball because he's a basketball nut. That's a great. That's a great event, by the way. Yeah. all his all the old like our old coaches from high school and stuff and friends from college, they all come. Oh yeah. And there's so many people. There's people playing from seventeen to like someone's in late fifties, early sixties. I mean, I'm I'm there playing and I'm hoping I just don't get hurt. That's a win. If I don't blow a hammy, it's a win. But it's such a great event. And he used to get you know the and speeches. You can tell the difference just, because the younger guys they're they're bringing it to the basket. They're going. The older guys, the century point shot. They all take that Larry Bird. <laughs> yeah. You know, Steph Curry or somebody. Yeah. They're, they're chucking it from a small <laughs> that, that was that was that was Pat though. Pat used to shoot the lights out. Yeah. From like when we played basketball <laughs> real young with St. John the Baptist yeah. and Always, everyone just called him Lefty. He would just drop back and just start cashing. 
And he did it all the way through high school. Man, he he would shoot the lights out. Z is a good little yeah. ball player. We should Great. talk about Pat. Just celebrate his life. <clears throat> I think yeah. uh, one of the really like what you talked about, how much you were able to do over those years, the way he kind of like attacked this from day one. I love the the, the picture he always used to circulate every year when he actually got his diagnosis, and it's just a selfie of him yeah, with his middle yeah. finger up. He just he, like he used to put that out every March. Oh every, man, yeah, just it's like a few ALS attack mode. But, but getting back to what you said, you were talking about the events, and Pat was very passionate about trying to help any other ALS patients that we could in the, in our area. And some of the research facilities that he worked with, especially ALS TBI up in Cambridge, up in Massachusetts. And because 87 cents of every dollar they make or they get donated goes directly into research. You talk to any of their scientists up there. I have guys that, um, Fernando up there, he's one of their, their head scientists up there. He could make seven times more in the private sector than he does there. But wow. he's just so passionate about working on finding mm -hmm. a cure for ALS. He said he's not leaving. Until it, until he does, and that's everybody. If you ever go up there, it, it's the facility is amazing. You can walk through it. The scientists will stop and talk to you. They'll even tell you what they're working on. And and Pat's been there <coughs> since day one. So we're talking about the events. He wants certain monies to be you know sent to certain individuals and to certain research facilities and stuff like that. So that's one of them. We have some others that are lined up and. From the events that we do, the three-on-three -three basketball, we have the golf outing, which is very successful. We have the golf tournament. Um, we have a very close friend of ours. Well, we're doing right? well. We're definitely going to force him to go. The yeah. softball tournaments this weekend. The softball is uh, this Saturday. <laughs> yeah. But and a, a very close friend of ours that um, works for Google um, owns an ice cream shop in New Jersey, and. You wonder why a guy that middle management would own an ice cream shop, but the name of the ice cream shop is uh, Seven Scoops and Sips. And the name comes from, he's got seven kids. But to teach his kids, you know, he does very well, but to teach his kids what a normal kid would do, they all work in the ice cream shop, you know, they're all involved in it. But what he does is every month they'll turn around and each kid's allowed to pick a charity or a place where they'd like to send the profits from that month. Wow. So it's not a money maker, it's to teach the kids, you know, to help others that are in need, and they do it every every month. But he raises money for Pat every year. He, he, whatever monies that they make for a day in the ice cream shop, they donate to Pat every year, and it's one of his- Where's this ice cream shop? It's in New Jersey. New Jersey. It's do you know the name Jersey. of it? Or? Seven, uh, seven, seven Scoops and Sips. That's amazing. Yeah, unbelievable. And um, so what Pat has is uh, he has it set, you know, he wrote it all out for me before he passed away. And we're going to donate to the people that he wanted donated to. And then I told him, I said, Pat, there's going to be a little bit of money left over, a substantial amount, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 maybe every year, you know, after what you want given away is. So he thought for maybe a half a second and then he said, you know what? find an ALS family in Yonkers or Lower Westchester in our area or someone that's in real need and make a major financial impact on their lives immediately, whatever it is. Get them a new bathroom, do some renovations in the house, build a ramp for wheelchair accessibility, whatever the case may be. So we're going to continue that. Amazing. Oh, yeah. That's the other we're, thing. you got to remodify your house that, that the insurance doesn't pay yeah, for. I had to put the... Uh, no, absolutely this, not. I had to come out of pocket and get the stair lift 
They wouldn't pay for that. Wow. They yeah. Bathroom rentals. That's on you. They give you uh, like a a wheelchair that you you use at the airport, which if if you you know anybody who has ALS, you can't use that. As a matter of fact, he's struggling right now. Because his mom has a, has a tendency to lean forward, am I correct? Well, she lost all the muscles in her neck. Which happens eventually to everyone. So right now, he's in need, and i got to see the, the chair before I leave. He's in need now of a higher back chair Savant, with a head brace on mm-hmm. it that has a, an attachment that you could put a strap on yeah. her head yeah. to hold her more upright so she's not sliding and moving all over the place because... Without muscle control, even a person that's that's sitting down like this, is she's probably the best she can do at most times, correct? At she's, best, when she's in the chair. She's looking straight at the floor. Correct. Yeah. So any sudden movement, she can't, you know, if you tilt, she can't. Well, she won't go in the chair. Yeah, she can't. She won't go in? She's no. probably scared to death. Oh, yeah. She's Tip, just not comfortable. Tipping you know? out. She yeah. has, uh, she gets problems with her, uh, her stomach, her diet, because of those muscles. So sometimes sitting in this position actually aggravates her. And the last thing you want to do is get them all riled up because then they can't communicate on the optical device. And it just, um, and what it's that a very le- frustrating thing. And what that her. leads to also is because of her fear or the uncomfortableness of sitting in a chair for hours on end. I mean, Pat said... Once we got him out of bed in the morning and went to the bathroom and hadn't set up, he was, he sat in an easy chair a good 12 hours a day. Yeah. So unless it's, it's just right, <clears throat> that person now reverts to laying in bed all day, yeah. which sort of picks up the pace of the ALS progression. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because now you're not stretching anything, nothing's being moved around, yeah. everything's just laying in one in, in Do one they place. recommend doing that? Like... Some well, exercise. But here we go again. One you of the know. best things that you can do in the beginning, as he's aware, everybody comes in. You know what I mean? They evaluate you and what have you like that. You have a speech therapist, a physical therapist, occupational, etc. But after a while, when you can't use any of the, the adaptive equipment that they're trying to have you use, all of a sudden the OT goes by the wayside. And I had an argument with the physical therapists because they said he's not meeting our goals. So I said, well, what goals do you have? I said, what part of ALS, nothing gets better? You know, so they discontinued his PT, right? Where my thing was, let's just stimulate what he has to slow the progression down. Let's just, you know. Yeah, and no. or it's something to do no. for an hour of the fucking Just to day. get the brain yeah. going. Well, yeah. So what we did was, and he'll know it too, I had a massage therapist come in twice a week. And it was the so best thing that he, Be- we did. Shout out to Becky. Yeah. She's the Becky. best, right? Yeah, she's coming tomorrow. Excellent. You'll love her. My mom. That's so how she does. Two weeks now. This two is the, the woman that took That's care right. of Pat. So, and which now, here we go. This is in it. This in is another expense. You. Oh, that's a, right. You see right. what I'm saying? Yeah. It's these little things that start tallying up. Now, Becky, Becky is very reasonable. Yeah, yeah. Because she's, you know, she works with ALS patients and, and she knows. But if you were to get somebody to come in, well, a massage therapist twice a week could run you 200 bucks a week. More. Maybe more. More, more than that. So now house you're, visits? But, but believe me, when Pat, she finished his hour with Pat, it was like he was a new guy. It was she, like yeah, a new guy. Mom is really calm. Yeah. 
for, for like yeah, two, two, that, two days. It's, it's, it's like, yeah. And then, and, but, and then she's, she, once she works with you, she cares about you. Yeah. So she'll come in a little earlier and she'll talk like, we'll have the eye gazer set up with Pat and just say, Pat, where are we at? You know, and he, he might say, you know, my, my shoulder didn't feel right when I was sleeping the other night or something like that. So then all of a sudden she'll, she'll fine tune where she's, where she's going to treat, but give the full body it's work, but you'll work on other places, you know, that might have been bothering. Mm -hmm. And no. he was like a new guy that, like, when she first left, man, because we, he's all oily and shit, right? So we had to bring him in and give him a shower, <laughs> you know. But after that, man, he was psh, golden. Yeah, I, I'll golden. go there. I'll massage her, and I'll I'll do uh, a little range of motion and stuff, right? Range of motion, but also like a heated towel um, submerged in Epsom salt. Mm -hmm. And do it that way. Well, you you do whatever you can to make yeah. them comfortable. Because the muscles tighten up, right? They, they well, they atrophy. atrophy where yeah. it's, like, it's non-existent. But the thing is, there's no handbook, you know, on the progression of ALS. So, like a lot of things that I'd be telling Don about, he's he's not even there yet. You know what I mean? We're going through it already. But he, he might not have another year before he experiences some of the things that we talked about, where. I worked with a gentleman, not worked with him, I tried to help him out a little bit. He got diagnosed, I'd probably say last June, and he passed away before the Christmas holidays. Wow. Just, I mean, it was boom, here it comes. Wow. Just one plateau after another, just spiraling. Wow. Uh, yeah, on That's... like six months at best. And he just completely went downhill that quick. And oh, again, God. unfortunately, 99% of your ALS patients would be a respiratory issue and leading to cardiac arrest and what have you, you know, unfortunately like that. Wow. But the, like I was telling a guy the other day, I said, you see all these awareness shirts, keep on quitting and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. Did, did Pat, did Pat I have be a the, favorite song? Huh? Did Pat have a favorite song? He was one of that Wu-Tang lover motherfuckers. There you go, Pat. Yeah. But every, uh, every, right? <laughs> As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, we met this woman, um, and she was big in the ALS community. Somehow she got him the original, one of their biggest songs. I didn't know what it was. I tacked it up on his wall. All his friends come and said, well, where, where'd you get that? It's the, the, the actual notes and all that. I said, man, it sounds bullshit rap dudes, man. I don't, I don't know who they are. Wu-Tang Clan <laughs> ain't nothing to fuck with. There you go. That's a really good, thing. Pat. Huh? Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Um, that's, well, I don't think a big comeback now or but, something, right? There's a big thing about but it. But that's the great thing. Yeah, his, whole, his whole group, like, it's like you have, you got, you've, you know, you ran all this stuff with him, but Pat had such a great core of friends. Like, all those guys who are super, super duper tight with Pat. Oh, wow. Still. They got to be like your other kids, man. They got to be like children of yours. And they're there all the time. Well, Every, it's so impressive to see them there at all times. Well, man. as They're, a matter of fact, they it, it was funny because, like for the last two years maybe, Pat wasn't all that excited about getting out of the house as well. You know, just a, just a hassle. Mm -hmm. You know, like people used to see him at events, but they didn't realize it took me and a caretaker an hour and a half to get him ready just to get out of the house. Oh, yeah. that. Yeah. 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 And, and then he'd come out and, you know, like he'd be a pain in the ass getting out there. But then once he was there... You know, it's like, this is where I want to be. People have to know where I'm at. But you know the Iona guys, of the Halley Street yeah. guys. So it turned out they actually had to break it up as to how they came. So it used to be Friday nights was their night to come over 
to the house. And I know how great the party was the next morning. That's <laughs> what I tell you. I used to come in there. There'd be six empty vodka bottles, two Jameson bottles. There'd be 24 cans. Yeah, that's a good night. And I'm like, okay, the boys had a good time. And the pot smoke would still be, yeah. you know, in the air a little bit. And then... And then the worst part about it is they finally knew Pat was able to have booze to his feeding tube. Oh, God. It's a great so, discovery. Yeah. So all of a sudden now he's getting jacked up on Jameson's and he's all shitty. Oh. And the next day I'm dealing with a hungover ALS patient for the oh, whole day. You know, Mike? So... That is awesome. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, those guys were all... They're, you know, and, yeah. They're such an amazing crew. And they, and they check on him every yeah. now and then. I don't like to... Because I'm 69 years old. These guys are in their mid late thirties at yep, best. Yep. So even though I'm a knucklehead, I'm a shithead from you know where to go. Like I never grew up. I'm still like nineteen or twenty, but it's still I'm an older guy. So I never want them to feel that they got to watch what they're saying or watch what they're doing when I'm around. Yeah. So like on Friday nights, you know, I get some pizzas and fridges always full of booze, whatever they wanted, and then I cut out when the night caretaker came. So they knew I'd leave around eight o'clock, so they wouldn't slide into like about ten after eight. No, 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 man was there. But they were, they were, they were, they were a group of steady, steady guys, and they every and he looked forward to it. So if he was having a bad couple of days, he knew his boys were coming over on Friday night, and everything was going to be okay. Yeah. And it wasn't where oh, G Pat, you know, like what's up, how you doing this and that. No, they were in yo mother whatever, you know, and lighting joints and giving them beers and. You know, uh, that's the, sure, that's what he wanted. Well, that's, that's yeah. one of those My things. My thing is, he yeah. knows the, the, you know, if you have ALS, you know you're sick. You have ALS, you know you're dying. You have yeah. ALS, you know that the next plateau you're going to land on is going to be negative. So I tried to press on his friends earlier on as they were welcome is how do we treat them? What do we say? So I don't know if I can curse on you or not. But yeah, I say, there's but, no rules Yeah. We have to I said, how was, he, how was he when you were hanging out? When you guys were hanging out in the bars, White Plains, whatever, how, was he an asshole? He's still an asshole now. I said, was he a knucklehead? Was he a ball buster? However he was, he still has the same personality. He just can't physically yeah. get in the mix. But mentally, he's the same as he was. So treat him as such. If you called him an asshole when he was walking and say, hey, asshole, how you doing? Oh, yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? And that... Well, I think a lot of people don't even know this about like the disease, but even at the like in the last year, when he couldn't move anything, he never lost the ability to laugh. No, like he was yeah. still fully laughing. I see my like, mom just... laugh. Oh, man, <laughs> so you, still, yeah. you still have like people yeah. say, you know, you what, what's he doing? And, 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 and the eyes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stuff. He started re- us, oh, yeah. And again, it's that's, 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 laugh, and that's yeah. one of the most despicable really things about this disease is he can well attest to. Your body is done. Done. Your mind is sharp. Done. But your mind is as quick as it is on your best day. Yeah. I mean, I think Pat got... You're a prisoner in your own body. around him. Exactly. Exactly. You're a prisoner in your own body. Well, August is a special month. Yes. Right? And and to keep uh, Pat's... <laughs> every August uh, until a cure. Every yeah. August until a cure. We are doing our own ice bucket challenge today. Oh I'm glad you said you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, you the master you, ceremony. I, no, no. We, I tell you, we had um, we had a fantastic <laughs> ice bucket challenge at the you know Empire City Casino by MGM yeah. the other day. Oh, yeah. We have another one coming up with right. people you know over at Hillcrest. Mm -hmm. Uh, have another. We have probably four more lined up, okay. you know, through the well, through the month. Since yeah. we both missed the one at uh, on, sat on Saturday, on, on yeah. Saturday, we're, we're we're doing it today. We're gonna film it. We're gonna put it out. And uh, this is. Uh, and I think all of our all of our guests that come on this month, especially, we have to challenge them to do it as well. Oh my goodness, that's a fact. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna try to. Um, Keep the mission moving forward. We're going to keep it moving forward. Yeah, and because, again, like we talked about earlier, and Pat's big, not not fear, but one of his biggest things was if if we don't keep doing this and if we don't educate outsiders to join us in our fight to find a cure, to keep the awareness going, we're going to revert back to pre-2014. And then it's going to be, what is ALS? You know what I mean? Where, where are we going? You know, because... Unless we keep it in the public eye, nothing's going to get done. Well, he planted he planted seeds, and there's a real strong tree growing out there. Man. Oh, it's going to keep growing. It's That's impressive. Yeah, he Pat, deserves it. Does this help you? In what regard? In getting over the loss and just... I don't think there's any, ever going to be a getting over the no. loss. I get that. Um, I mean, when Pat passed away, it was like my life shattered. Yeah. It was a, just burst into a million pieces and a million pieces of darkness, to be but quite honest. Talking about it helps keep him alive. Not, well, the thing is, I wear his wedding ring right here. I had it sized oh, down. Jesus Christ. And I wear it all the time. And um, I feel him around me every almost every day. Now, I shouldn't say almost every day, every single day. And I talk, as a matter of fact, I can show you on my phone right here. Well, I'll turn it on later. I text him every day. Or every other day, even though his phone's turned off. Uh -huh. But it's like I'm keeping the conversation with him going. I told him I was coming here today. You know what I mean? I told him he'd be busting my balls. <laughs> and, and it's on there. And I tell him about the ice bucket challenge that was coming up. And one of his friends is being a little bit of a dick on the, you know, so I told him that too. So it, it's, it's where I've made up my mind that not to let him go. Until I know he's ready to leave, right. and yeah, yeah. he's, I need him to send me a little sign every now and then that I'm doing what he wants, and I got, I, I go up to visit his gravesite minimum once a week, and I let him know that I got this for you. It's beautiful. You're doing a great job. Yeah, man. It's inspirational. It's just crazy. You're doing, doing a great job. job. It's just you, you know what you can't do it. Like people said, turn to me and they say, "Oh, Pat, look what you're doing. Look what you're doing." I'm doing what my son wanted me to do. But I'm only able to do it because of the network that he surrounded me with to be able to continue moving forward. There's no one person that can do this. As he's well aware, he can't do everything himself. Yeah. I can't do everything myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if we do it as a community and we do it as a group, a collective voice is a lot stronger than a single person. Yes, absolutely. Outstanding. Hey, Amen. Thanks for coming here. No, Thanks for get, uh, get the fuck out. Is that what you're telling me? No, no, no. Now we're going to go freeze our throw asses ice off. You said you're done. <laughs> uh, Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, thank, no, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We've been wanting right. to do this for a while. We've been yeah. trying to pick the right time that. to do it. We figured and August would be the best. I appreciate that. And unfortunately, you know, Dom's here. He's living it still right now. And we've got to be able to give him the strength to carry on his journey too. Because unless you're in it, you don't, you know, like I'm sure he, he might tell you 60%. There's 
There's 40% of what he's going through that nobody knows about. Yeah. And, no it's, and, it, and it gets heavy on your shoulders. You know what I mean? And it, it, this is good. It, it's, it's nice to talk about it. it. It's good, you know, to get friends, family involved in it because all of a sudden now you have that help. You, yeah. you know you have the support you need. And, and it's important to make sure that you continue to do that for him too. Yeah. All right, guys. We got to look out for each other. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Right, let's, uh, let's and on the, and on the on the last thing too, the, one of the you know the the hardest thing that that I felt that we had to overcome to a degree is the giving up. You know, what I mean? if you if you think of something that that you have to do without or you can't do anymore, I mean, for a thirty something year old man, every couple of months not being able to, and then have come to the realization that. I can't go to the bathroom by myself anymore. I can't. I had to give up driving the car. That was one of the big things for him. You know, I have to use a, a walker to walk. Now I have to use a wheelchair to walk. I mean, I try to think about this and, and how do you stay so positive giving up so much to the point where he was fully wheelchair bound and the only way he's able to communicate he was through- He kept fighting, Pat. I case, he I, kept I guess, fighting. Well, hey, that's, I think that, I, I, you know, I don't know, but I would think that's what, 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 uh, how, I think that was Pat's therapy, was fuck this, I'm going to keep fighting, I'm going to keep helping other people, and, and I want and, to see, you know, you don't know, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning when it's dark, and the eight is sleeping over there, it's, and then, you know, I see my mom sometimes just thinking, well, that, that's sometimes when you... you Can you imagine how alone you no. that, that that feeling must be? But how, how many times did I talk to you about one of the things that, that I never can really comprehend or, or understand is, hey, you know when you're up and there's people around and you're moving and you're getting fed and everything and guys will come over, you might watch a Yankee game, you might watch a little something, but then about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, you're going to bed. Right? And aid is now putting you into your bed, positioning pillows, getting your BiPAP on, getting whatever breathing apparatus you have, and getting you comfortable for the night. What happens in those eight hours that you're there by yourself? Where, where do you get the strength yeah. to continue? Like I always used to think when, when he lays down at night, is he asking God to take me now? You know what I mean? I've had enough. Or does he wish for a good night's sleep? When he wakes up that next morning, is he thankful he's here? Or is he like, oh shit, I gotta go through this another day. And as with his mom and my son, it's like, here we go. Here we go. I actually know the answer to that question. Huh? I know the answer to that question. I won't say it here, but I know the answer to that question. I just would like some of Pat's strength that he had. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. What a fighter. What a fighter. Wow. Well, like they say, like I always used to kid around. I said, we're buying more T-shirts, Pat. I said, I'd like to buy 30,000. I survived the ALS T-shirts. Fuck yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be great? Let's get that done. Not, not Fuck. you know, I'm an ALS warrior. Not I'm this, not I'm that. I survived the ALS. That's, get there. that's the shirt I want to buy. <clears throat> Well, we got to get there. Let's get there. Let's well, fucking things get like there. this will make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. We'll keep doing it. Thank you very much. Thanks for yeah. having me. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. I don't, I, that was, that was 
let's crack this mausoleum and uh, <laughs> and, uh <laughs> let's go toss some this. really it's cold water on right, over and out Pat thank you so much buddy thanks, thanks for having me I appreciate it thank you